Welcome to Volunteer Plain Talk Podcast, the podcast for today's leaders of volunteers. Your host is me, Meridian Swift. I'm so excited about this podcast. My guest is Jalen Christie. Jalen is the Director of Public Relations for Moxie, an integrated marketing agency in Orlando. And Jalen serves on several local boards, including the Orange County Friends of the Library Board, the United Negro College Fund, and the Public Relations Society of America. Jalen is a proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. It's the first intercollegiate Greek letter fraternity established for African-American men, and it's known for giving back to the community. But what is really so special about Jalen amongst all this other stuff is that he is like a super volunteer, grew up in a family of volunteers, has been a volunteer coordinator and is a PR expert. So listen in as Jalen discusses everything from a not so great volunteer experience to helping event volunteers come back next year. Uh, Also to return on investments for volunteers and Jalen even reacts to a typical volunteer recruitment ad. Jalen, welcome so much. We are just so happy to have you here on the Volunteer Plain Talk podcast. I know that you and I have talked, and I would refer to you as what we volunteer managers might call a super volunteer. Uh, And by that, I mean you need little direction. You don't need a lot of motivation from us. And what I wanted to ask you first, which might sound a little crazy, but can you tell us about a time when volunteering didn't really quite work out for you? (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, I enjoy volunteering. I volunteer quite a bit. And uh, the vast majority of my experiences volunteering have been overwhelmingly positive. So there aren't a lot of... uh, volunteer experiences that I've had that have been negative, but I do recall this one time back in 2018 where um, I was volunteering to help disadvantaged families during the holiday season, and uh, I don't think there was a contingency plan uh, for if the uh, weather didn't hold up because the activity was outdoors. So we had a lot of uh, families pulling up in their cars because we were giving them groceries. We were giving them food and uh, items for uh, the Christmas season. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I first got there, you know, the first 30 minutes Meridian were fantastic because the sun was out and we were able, you know, to provide those families with meals and canned goods and things of that nature. Uh, But then it started raining. (laughs) And it, (laughs) it, it was not a light drizzle. No, it was a torrential storm, uh, a mm-hmm. downpouring, so to speak. And uh, there was no contingency plan in place. Uh, so that was that was a bit of a bummer. 
um, because we had to stop. And then some people um, were still able to help those families because they brought umbrellas. Uh, I, in fact, did not bring an umbrella um, mm -hmm. because I was not aware that it was going to rain. Um, I was standing outside and I was still helping those cars that pulled up and I was still running to their trunks and putting in, you know, grocery bags. And I was drenched. I was drenched and I tried to remain, I tried to remain positive, tried to keep a positive outlook. But I got to tell you, Meridian, <laughs> when it was all said and done, when I got home, there was a little bit of me <laughs> that was a little bit upset <laughs> because I, I was completely soaked. So um, that wasn't one of the uh, that wasn't one of the best experiences that I had. But uh, I soldiered, I soldiered through it. And then another another um, another occurrence uh, that comes to mind uh, is when I was called on to judge a competition mm -hmm. with middle school students here in Orange County that were competing uh, regarding different science projects that they had put together. And it was only supposed to be, it was supposed to be a panel of five of us that were called on to be judges. And I was the only person that showed up, you know, I was the only judge that showed up. So that was, that was kind of rough, you know, to have that yeah. pressure on me to kind of judge the competition by myself. But I mean, it is what it is. You do what you have to do when you just get through it. But yeah. see, that's, uh, Jalen, that's the difference between a super volunteer, or maybe that's a terrible way to put it, but a volunteer such as yourself who does understand, hey, things happen, or, you know, I'm just going to uh, do the best I can, versus volunteers who may come in, this may be their first time volunteering, and they walk away going, holy mackerel, what yeah. a mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we're always looking for ways to engage people who are not necessarily uh, a super volunteer having the same kind of attitude you are. So are, are you saying that contingency plans and maybe better planning would help us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that whenever you're overseeing a volunteer events, whenever you're in charge and tasked with making these events a success, it would definitely go a long way in having a contingency plan because you're dealing with a lot of people. And then mm -hmm. ultimately, if, if your event is to help those in need or to help the underprivileged, you know, when those individuals show up, you know, they're looking to be, you know, benefited. They're looking for assistance. So if you're the person that's coordinating this initiative, you definitely have to have um, a contingency plan because you don't want those individuals to go home feeling sad or disappointed. Exactly. And their disappointment will will spill over onto the volunteers they'll feel that won't they and we're trying when you're when you're overseeing a volunteer initiative or a volunteer event you're trying to create a positive uh experience and i remember when i took the job at the salvation army of orlando i took that job back in 2012 meridian as their uh public relations coordinator and octavio serrano was our director of volunteer services and he was phenomenal at his job and just seeing uh, the amount of effort and planning that he would put into each initiative and each event just to ensure that it was a success 
and to ensure that not only the volunteers that were coming to participate had a good experience, but the individuals that we were helping had a good experience as well. You know, so it when you're overseeing an event of that magnitude or anything that's dealing with volunteering or helping the disadvantaged, uh, it pays to be prepared. Like you've got to put a lot of thought into it, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So would you be more inclined, Jalen, to think that qu- uh, quality over quantity is the way to go? In other words, don't take on too much. Don't take on the things that you can't mm-hmm. adequately prepare for. So I would say that quality matters over quantity because ultimately, you know, you're creating an experience. So the vast majority of nonprofits Uh, They depend on volunteers to be successful. When I worked at the Salvation Army, our director of development, Kyle Melody McNeil, she used to always say time, talents, and treasures. Those are the three things that we can get from volunteers. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep those volunteers to continue coming uh, to your event. You're trying to have those volunteers become recurring volunteers. So you don't want them to show up for just uh, one time and then never show up again. You're trying to have them come to your first volunteer event and then have such a positive experience at that first event that they come to the second event or the third event or the fourth event. And I think that's one thing that's very, very important because that's how some of these nonprofit organizations thrive. So it's definitely quality over quantity, in my opinion. What is one of your favorite volunteer experiences? That's a good question, Meridian. So one thing that I will say is I enjoy helping when I can see the impact that it's having on the individual. Um, So one thing that comes to mind is uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs. So I volunteer with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida, and I've been doing so since 2011. And I think it's just a wonderful organization that does so much good for young boys and young girls. And one of the things that I do is I'm often called in to lead workshops and seminars with uh, these children and seeing the impact that it has on them, you know, and that they're able to, you know, better their lives from some of the things that we're doing for them. Sometimes I'm called in to speak about um, crisis communications or even, you know, more recently, social media etiquette, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. to post on social media, what not to post on social media as you're getting older and you're looking upon, you know, finding a job or landing a career. Um, I've also led workshops on, you know, how to dress while you're at the job, how not to dress and things of that nature. So being able to come in and interact with those children face-to-face has been fantastic. And then also, too, I know I've indicated the Salvation Army earlier. Uh, I've worked at the Salvation Army from 2012 through 2016. But since, you know, leaving the job in 2016, I've returned every single year to volunteer and be of assistance to the organization. And one of my favorite volunteer projects with the Salvation Army has been helping them during their angel tree season, uh, where they help disadvantaged families. We helped 4,000 disadvantaged children back in 2016. So coming to that event every year, you know, and being able to wrap up the toys and wrap up the bikes and the clothing items 
and give them, you know, to the families as they pull up, you know, and then seeing their happy faces, their smiling faces as they're receiving these gifts so they can ensure that their Christmas or their holiday is successful really, really warms my heart. So those are the kind of uh, volunteer events that I really enjoy participating in. And I want to go back to something you said, Jalen, and and um, hammer, hammer this home, I guess. You were talking about the situations that really speak to you are the ones in which you learn about the actual impact you've had. Mm-hmm. If we equate that to your the angel tree, and you remember that 4,000 families were impacted by your deeds. Mm-hmm. And then to top that off, you also have the personal stories because you actually interacted with the people who came to pick up the items that you had for them. So you you kind of have both sides of it, the statistics, which mm-hmm. are impressive, mm-hmm. and then the actual personal stories. So do yeah. you think that's the way to show volunteers uh, that they're making a difference both of those things together? I think so, Meridian. I think it goes a long way for sure. Um, So one thing that we did during the Angel Tree program is when I was at the Salvation Army, I was tasked with helping out with media relations. So that meant getting the word out about the Angel Tree uh, to the community so we could have donors buy the gifts for the families. And then I was also tasked with, you know, getting the word in the newspapers and magazines, radio stations, podcasts, on television, uh, because we needed a, a, a vast majority of volunteers to assist us with that initiative. And then being able to have those volunteers come in and then not only interact with the Salvation Army staff, but also interact with the families that were being impacted, that had a fantastic effect on those volunteers. Now I'll tell you something else too. It wasn't just Angel Tree. One of our biggest events that we did with the Salvation Army here in Central Florida was Thanksgiving. And we would have volunteers signing up for that event as early as January and February because that event was just so impactful. So some of those volunteers would be in the um, service line for uh, the homeless. When they were coming through the line uh, to get their Thanksgiving dinner, uh, we had volunteers that were preparing the the plates and the meals for them. And seeing them interact with the homeless and knowing that those volunteers were being touched, you know, a lot of those volunteers, a, a significant percentage of those volunteers would come up to us after that Thanksgiving feeding and go ahead and register to volunteer for the next Thanksgiving feeding the following year. So I think some of that had to do with seeing um, the homeless or the disadvantaged or the people that they were being helped, people that were being helped up close. I think that had a lot to do with that. And what a brilliant suggestion, which Mm -hmm. is to have a sign-up sheet for more right when people are actually in the throes of understanding and and experiencing. Yeah, that is an absolutely wonderful idea that I hope uh, folks will take away and and utilize that. Absolutely. Well, we had a database, Meridian. We had a database that we would utilize when I was at the Salvation Army. And it's Mm -hmm. just like you said, we would capture volunteer information as soon as they showed up. Because, you know, not every volunteer event is for everyone. So let me be clear about that. You know, there are some people that, for whatever reason, they enjoy 
Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was their volunteer event that they really, really looked forward to. You know, but for other individuals, you know, maybe we did a walkathon, you know, earlier in the year that volunteers that maybe were into fitness or exercise, that one appealed to them. Or we had a women's and children's shelter. So sometimes we'd have volunteers that would come in to the shelter to lead seminars for the moms. And also the Salvation Army, we had two high rises for low income seniors. So we had some volunteers that were better equipped to aid and assist senior citizens. And it wasn't just single volunteers. We saw a lot of Fortune 500 companies such as, you know, Disney or Walmart or Universal or Lockheed Martin that would come in as a group to help with those initiatives as well. And even Meridian, uh, we would also have people that with their volunteer skills, they were more inclined to do yard work or landscaping. So maybe they weren't good with people. Maybe they were good with planting flowers and bettering the property. So sometimes they would volunteer in that capacity as well. So I think it all boils down to whatever you're good at. And whatever your heart desires, it doesn't take much to make a positive impact or a difference. And and, and what you're saying is so true, Jen, and what we're, what we're all finding is that looking for the volunteers' needs, desires, skills, you know, what do they want out of their volunteering is so critical to right. matching them to a role. But let right. me ask, ask you this then. Sure. Showing impact to, let's say, a volunteer who doesn't really want to work directly with people so much. How do you, did you find different ways to show impact to them that really spoke to their personalities? You know, that's a good question, Meridian. Um, And as I'm thinking about it, I remember being tasked with overseeing the Angel Tree program. And I do remember there being some volunteers that, for whatever reason, maybe they just didn't want to interact with people, which was fine with me. Um, But in order for the Angel Tree program to be a success, we had uh, little tabs of paper, over 4,000 of them that we would send out to the community to different locations. And each tab would have the name of a single child and what they wanted for Christmas. But in order for us to get those tabs distributed, you know, those tabs had to be cut They had to be decorated. They had to be stickered. They had to be labeled. They had to have ribbons tied to them. They had to be uh, driven to different locations. So for the volunteers that may not have wanted to interact with the disadvantaged, uh, we had volunteers that were able to come in, you know, and help me and, you know, cutting those those papers, (laughs) those tabs, um, labeling those tabs. Um, putting ribbon on them to make them decorative, and then sending them to their respective locations. So that worked as well. And then when those tabs were shown on television, or when those tabs were returned to us with items from different corporations, those volunteers were able to see that, hey, you know, the reason that this is being done, or the reason that this is getting accomplished is because I took the time to come out and assist with this specific portion of the task. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, actually, it makes sense. And, and I think underlying that, Jalen, is sometimes you're not talking to volunteers and sharing statistics, you're actually visually showing them, which is just as powerful. 
I think that sometimes when you show them, they can see it for themselves. Most people want a return on investment. And what that want, what, what that means specifically, Meridian, is that they just want to see, you know, what their impact is making. So one thing that we used to do is we would send out a newsletter to our volunteers and our donors to let them know that because of you and your efforts and your assistance and your help, uh, the Salvation Army was able to accomplish all of this. And we would not have been able to do that without the volunteers. When I was employed at the Salvation Army Meridian, we used to always say that volunteers were the army behind the Salvation Army. <laughs> and uh, I know for a fact, without a shadow of a doubt, that uh, the Salvation Army would not have been able to function without the assistance of those volunteers. So we were always very appreciative. That's awesome. I love that. Janet, you grew up in a volunteering household. Your mom and dad were big on volunteering. And so this, yeah, this was something that um, was in your nature from young. And now most people probably don't. Can I ask you, how did your mom and dad used to pitch volunteering to you? How did how did they tell you that it was something that you would enjoy? What did they tell you? So I'll tell you this, Meridian. I am a straight shooter, so I will be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> my sister and I did not have a choice. All right. So my 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 grandmother. <laughs> my grandmother was big on volunteerism with my mom and all of her sisters and her brother. Uh, my grandmother um, often brought them with her to volunteer events. And then when my mom became a parent and when she had my sister and I, I think that was something that was ingrained in her. Um, so as my sister and I grew up, uh, my mom would bring us with her to volunteer events. And there was, there was no, it wasn't a choice. You know, it, when mom said that we were going with her to an event, we were going with her to an event, you know, <laughs> but uh, we're always enjoyable. Um, I can't recall a single time volunteering with my mom that I did not enjoy it. We would always go to the local homeless shelter. This is back in Tallahassee, Florida, back when I was a kid, we'd always go to the shelter to be of service to them. Um, mom would also bring us to the hospitals to read to children that were sick. Uh, my mom and my dad were also heavily involved in our church, and our church did a lot of volunteer functions. So whenever my mom and dad volunteered with the church, uh, my sister and I were always on hand to be of assistance to them to volunteer as well. Uh, my mom always emphasized the importance of giving back, you know, I am blessed Meridian in the fact that, you know, my sister and I grew up without, we were blessed, you know, we, we didn't want for anything. We had a house, you know, my mom and dad each had their own car. They were gainfully employed. My sister and I went to private schools. So that's something that is not lost on me. You know, we were, we were very blessed, you know, but my mom was always sure to remind us that, you know, there are other people that may not have it, you know, as well as we have it, or may not have it as well as, you know, other families or other individuals have it. We were blessed, you know, but we had to work for these things, you know. So she always stressed the importance of not being holier than thou, not looking down on other people, and always being of service to individuals. And one thing that I will say is I think it's because of my parents 
that I took the job at the Salvation Army. Because even though my background was in communications, and even though I handled public relations for the Salvation Army, I felt that, you know, I was being paid to volunteer every single day. And it was quite a rewarding experience for me. And I think that's something that, you know, I got from having volunteering, having, having grew up volunteering uh, with my mom and my dad. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And my mom is now 62 and mm-hmm. she's still volunteering to this day. She has not missed a beat at all. You know, she's still volunteering. I think she'll be volunteering to the day that she dies, quite frankly, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> that approached her and asked her if she would be interested in, in serving on their board to manage the volunteers. And then, you know, she's, she retired, you know, a few years ago, like I indicated earlier, and only been retired now for about three years. And she just started a job, Meridian, last summer with this church in Tallahassee that approached her and asked her to be the volunteer coordinator because of her background in volunteerism. So that's what she's doing now. She only works about four hours a day, uh, four days a week, overseeing the volunteers at a church in Tallahassee. So I love I I love it. She's crossed over and she's one of us now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and she's not she's not showing any signs of slowing down whatsoever. Hey. Yeah. I, I love I love it. I love I'm here for it. <laughs> I love her all the more now because she's a volunteer manager. That's great. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> while you were while you were talking about uh, your family's experiences, yep. I was thinking I was going to ask you if we should teach volunteering in school, but I'm not because now I'm thinking, what about Jalen volunteering as a bonding experience within families. Do you think that is one of the things that we should be as volunteer managers and as organizations that we should be putting out there as something for families to consider? Hey, this is a way for you to bond, have a wonderful experience. Precisely. I I think that's fantastic. I think that more families should do it. I know that that's something that my mom used to do with my sister and I, and not just my sister and I, but uh, my mom and her sisters would do it with our cousins as well. As a family, we would always go out and volunteer different places, and that definitely bonded us. Uh, Last March, March of 2019, I was blessed to be able to join Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. We are the uh, oldest African-American intercollegiate fraternity in the nation. And then um, I am one of five. So there are, I have four Lyme brothers, uh, Orlando Shepard, Benjamin Garcia, Carlin Johnson, and Roosevelt Holmes. And then we're always volunteering whenever the fraternity needs something. So we're always called on to volunteer in the community. And that's been great for my Lyme brothers and I uh, bonding as well, whether it's been, you know, serving the disadvantaged or picking up trash from a highway, you know, are hosting an event to raise funds for a nonprofit. Right now, we're currently working on an initiative to raise much needed funds for the March of Dimes. 
And all of that has been fantastic when it's come to bonding us and, you know, gelling us as a unit. So I think that volunteerism can be good for bonding with families. And I think it can also be good, Meridian, with team building exercises at different organizations and corporations. I know that a lot of companies uh, may send their departments or their teams to different nonprofits to volunteer for a day. I work for Moxie. We're, uh, we're an integrated marketing agency right here in Orlando. Last year, we volunteered with Habitat for Humanity. Um, our CEO, she gave us, you know, the whole entire day off um, to go help the Habitat for Humanity build a house. And in one whole day, we were able to construct, you know, the frames, you know, of the house. We weren't able to, mm -hmm. to build a house in a day, <laughs> but yeah. uh, we got the foundation done. And that was a rewarding, awesome, phenomenal team building exercise that we did. So I definitely believe that volunteerism can be great for bonding. I love that. I love the fact that you opened it up beyond families to whoever your peeps are, I guess, you know, and using that experience to just sort of uh, team build and bond. That That's awesome. Thanks for saying that. So can we turn towards, this is going to be a little, little different, but right. Can we turn towards your experience, not only at the Salvation Army, but right now in, in your job as as directing PR, which is so important for us volunteer managers? How can we make, uh, Jalen, and this is a big question, so I apologize for it, but how can we make volunteering a little bit more modern? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Because a lot of times we just kind of use the old ads and use, you know, what we've had before. Mm -hmm. I think, Meridian, that social media goes a long way in helping with that. So I'm also on the uh, board of directors for the Friends of the Orange County Library System. Um, and there are over 15 different libraries here in Orange County that depend on the help of volunteers for each of these locations, each of these libraries to be, you know, successful. And I think that one way in which the library is able to garner volunteers is that they utilize their social media outlets. And they do a fantastic job, I must say, you know, being active on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, constantly showing what the library is up to and all the events and programs and initiatives that they're doing. And they make it Fun, you know, um, that's how I was able to join the board because I was following the library on Twitter and I was just like, good Lord, you know, like the library is always up to something. They're always posting something. How can I be a part of this to be of assistance? So I contacted them via Twitter and was just like, hey, you know, like I saw that you just posted this library after hours event where you're inviting the community in to hear from local authors. I saw that you're hosting Booktoberfest. Uh, to raise money for library programs to help, you know, disadvantaged readers. How can I help? How can I volunteer um, mm -hmm. to be, a, you know, assistance? And that went a long way in getting me to become a volunteer and getting me to join their board. But I think it all boils down to making it appealing. And then also to Meridian, what I tell all of my clients is to know your target audience. So depending on your organization, uh, you have to ask yourself, what are you in need of more? Are you looking for volunteers to come and help out in terms of manpower? Or are you looking for donors? Are you looking for financial donors to contribute money and large funds 
for your volunteers, or not for your volunteers, but for your organization to be uh, successful. So I think if you know your target audience, you'll know how to appeal to them. For example, uh, younger individuals tend to be on uh, Instagram these days. That's where, that's where younger individuals are at, Instagram. Um, I recently learned, I gave, a, I gave a seminar a few years ago on social media. I spoke to uh, young boys and girls at the Boys and Girls Clubs. And I was leading a seminar on social media, and they told me that Snapchat was where it's at. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I, I did not know. I was not aware, <laughs> you know. So I, I, I think you're seeing organizations and corporations now utilizing Instagram and Snapchat to appeal to the younger demographic, to entice them to be of service to their organization or their corporation. Older individuals are on Facebook. Older individuals still uh, read the newspaper. I know that there are some friends of mine that I have that are in their 50s and 60s that still prefer to receive the newspaper and they're at their doorstep, delivered to their house or their home, and they will sit and will flip through every single page. And I think that's just phenomenal. So if that demographic is interested in receiving their news via newspaper, then your job as a public relations practitioner or your job in handling public relations would be to garner placement within the newspaper to showcase the need that your organization has. If you're going after a younger demographic, social media may be where it's at, or podcasts may be where it's at, or securing um, an interview on local news. Here in Orlando, there are five news stations one of them just started a nine o'clock morning broadcast where they invite different individuals in to speak about what it is that they're doing in the community, what it is that their organization is in need of. And that's worked out beautifully um, for us here. So I think it all boils down to knowing your target audience, knowing how it is that they prefer to receive their information, and then just going after it. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you believe, Jalen, in constructing your target, you know, mm-hmm. person you're targeting, go ahead and, and do a whole mock-up on them and then gearing everything towards that? So kind of strategically figuring out who you want to yep. uh, speak to and then going from there? Oh, absolutely, Meridian. I don't do anything by guessing. You know, some of it's luck. I won't lie to you. Some of it's luck. Some of it is God at work. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But anytime that I try to implement a public relations strategy, I have a plan in place. And that plan will outline objectives, tactics, uh, strategies, and, you know, initiatives that I plan on, you know, implementing. Whether that be a press release or coming up with an idea to pitch the media or writing a blog and sending it out via e-newsletter or securing a speaking engagement for someone at the organization so we can get the word out that way. Anything that I do regarding public relations all utilizes a strategy or a plan. You know, in public relations, we have what's called RPI, and that boils down to research, planning, implementation and evaluation. So you're researching your target audience to know what it is that they're interested in and how it is they want to receive their information. You're planning, putting together an initiative, not not an initiative, but um, a strategy to get that, to get your, to get your word out to them. You are evaluating to make sure, you know, after all is said and done to see how that plan went 
were there pros and cons? And if you're doing it quarterly, if you have a quarterly strategy, the good thing about doing that is you can exercise and utilize that plan during Q1. And then when you get ready to prep for Q2, you can look back at your Q1 strategy and see what worked that you can then take into Q2 and what perchance didn't work that you may be able to tweak as you go into Q2. So whenever you utilize the public relations goal or strategy or tactic or things of that nature in dealing with PR, it definitely um, is beneficial to have a plan in place. Does that make sense, Meridian? Yes, it makes it makes more sense than you even realize. <laughs> and, then, and then I can even begin to tell you it makes sense. Uh, do you mind, Jalen, if we do something a little, um, you know, off the wall here? I'm going to read uh, to you sure. an ad that actually I just picked out of the air from a, an honest-to-goodness volunteer uh, website. Mm-hmm. And uh, you tell me if this would be something that you would be interested in in answering, okay? Okay. Very simple. Math tutor. Math tutors provide academic assistance to students in our K through 12 system. Mm-hmm. You will work once a week and the volunteer needs to have energy and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say, you know, um, I mean, they did indicate what they're looking for. They they did say that they want energy and enthusiasm. In, in my opinion, I think it's a little bland. <laughs> in my opinion, um, I would probably choose different messaging to make it sound more upbeat. Um, and then also maybe indicate what it is that they get out of it. You know, like, what are they getting from the experience? Is it just volunteering are there any benefits that come with that? You know, so maybe utilizing that space differently to talk about what it is that the organization does in addition to what it is that they're looking for. But what is it about this organization as opposed to all the other ones in the community that separates yours from the others? What makes yours stand apart and what can the volunteer get out of it? I love that because we don't often think about us being in, I guess, kind of a competition with mm-hmm. with other organizations or or why us versus, you know, in Florida, we always had the disadvantage of competing with not really other organizations, but we competed with time for going to the beach, going to play tennis, playing golf, you know. Uh, So what makes this better than going to play a game of tennis, maybe? Right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the fact that you laughed at at the end. That made me giggle. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean harm. I promise you, I didn't mean harm. I'm sure they did their best. No, no. And and that's the point. You know, when we just sit and dust our ads off from years ago, and they probably worked years ago, but when we dust them off and put them back out there, we need to think about what what you're saying. How does this appeal to someone reading it and thumbing through that go going on to the next 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 thing? So thank you for that. I appreciate that. So Jalen, if we could hire you, and we don't have enough money, I'm sure, but if we could hire you to be the PR person for volunteer management, 
Mm-hmm. What would what would you advise us to do as we try to garner more volunteers? Or I would say outline your your goals for the year. Look at all of your events. Look at all of your key initiatives. Ask yourselves uh, which ones are the ones that you need the vast majority of volunteers. And then come up with a tactic to appeal to those volunteers and garner their interest. And that's, you know, you can utilize that to public relations, as I indicated earlier, or also to landing interview opportunities uh, for the organization. So you can talk about what it is that the organization does and what it is that you're in need of, Um, whether that be on the radio, in a podcast, or on television, or in print. Those things go a long way. And then also to utilizing your social media outlets to drive traffic to your website. So one thing that I learned in college, so I'm a very proud graduate of uh, Florida A&M University. It's an HBCU located in Tallahassee. And one of the things that we learned in the journalism program was um, integrated convergence, multimedia convergence, meaning that everything should work together so you know your your facebook your twitter your instagram what have you those should entice a volunteer those should entice uh your target audience and then you should provide hyperlinks to lead them back to your website and on your website you have to position yourself as a subject matter expert so making sure that your blogs are up to date making sure that your blogs uh, are talking about topics that are trending topics of relevance. Um, Whenever you garner an interview in a newspaper or on, you know, a news website or what have you, asking the editor or the reporter to respectfully link back to your website because you never know who's reading those articles, you know. So driving traffic to your website, um, taking photos, high definition photos if you can, and then showing those volunteers what it is that your organization does, and then also too showing other volunteers in action. So whenever you have volunteers that you know show up to be of assistance, seeing if they're okay with having their photos taken, um, action shots and photos of those volunteers having fun, so you can appeal to other volunteers. You know, having volunteer testimonials. There are some volunteers that will show up to every single volunteer event that you have. Why is that? You know, are they willing to speak to show why it is that they like volunteering with the organization? Things like that move the needle when it comes to garnering uh, more volunteers. And also, too, keeping those volunteers top of mind. Um, One thing that we used to do at the Salvation Army is we would have a volunteer appreciation breakfast. Because, like I said, we, we wouldn't have been successful without those volunteers. So we would always let those volunteers know that we appreciated them. Um, so we'd have a volunteer appreciation breakfast. And then also to Meridian, we would also have um, volunteer awards. We would have a evening banquet that we would host where we would invite the volunteers in for, you know, a free meal. And uh, we had an MC and everything. And then the top volunteers uh, received uh, certificates of appreciation. Some of them received plaques and trophies. And uh, we just, that was just our way of, you know, letting them know that we appreciated them. And then that was something that kept those volunteers coming back year after year after year. So I think if you, if the organization, if your organization does all of those things, I think it can, it can help tremendously. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, great advice. And the last thing I wanted uh, to ask you, Jalen, was about leadership. You clearly are a leader in your community and in organizations that you... No, no. I mean, I, I, clearly you are. Uh, you're public speaking and you're serving on boards and that. The first time you were asked to be in a leadership position, mm-hmm. what, what, did, what did that fit? What, what were your hesitations and what, what did you feel like? And how can we apply this to asking more volunteers as we expand our programs to step up and lead? Sure. Um, so what I will say is with my job at Moxie, I did not apply for my job at Moxie. I was actually approached by our CEO that was looking for a director of public relations. I had never been a director before. I worked my way up in the public relations field, starting out as a PR coordinator at one job and then becoming a PR manager at another job, but I had never been a director. So to be abundantly clear, to be very honest with you, I was a little nervous. <laughs> um, but, you know, I prayed about it. Um, I have a wonderful support system with uh, my family, my mom and my dad and my sister. So uh, I just, I took the job. I brainstormed a lot. I came in with ideas for implementing anything. I got to know the clients that I was in charge of, finding out, you know, what my predecessor did that may have worked, finding out what she, what she did that may not have worked, talking to those clients, finding out what it is that they wanted, what it is that they were going after, and then brainstorming ways to make them successful. So I just, I just tried, you know, I took my time and I tried. God is good, you know, I was able to work out. So I think that, um, you know, when it comes to being a leader, I think that, I think Meridian, you know, leaders are learners. And I think it's something that more people need to realize. Uh, I've never had any shame in my game because I always ask questions and I'm not afraid to ask questions. So even though I'm the director, it does not necessarily mean that I know everything. Uh, in December, one of my clients had uh, a crisis and I was called on to do crisis communications. And even though I may have been seen as the expert, I have other friends that are uh, in public relations. So I'm on, I'm on the board of directors for the Public Relations Society of America here in Orlando, the Orlando chapter. So I was able to go, go to my friends on the board and ask them up front, you know, hey, I have this crisis on my hands. Um, I, need, I need some assistance. You know, what do you recommend that I do in order to make the crisis go away, to diet down and come up with a positive solution. So leaders are learners, you know, not being afraid to ask questions, not assuming that you have all the answers and knowing that it's okay uh, to ask for help. And I think that would help in managing volunteers as well. You know, um, if there is another volunteer director somewhere at another organization, why not reach out to them? You know, when I was at the Salvation Army Meridian, even though, you know, we had our competition with other um, homeless shelters and arrival organizations. Uh, the PR coordinators at each of those organizations, we would meet once a quarter for lunch. Um, one of my good friends, Muffet Robinson, she used to work for the Coalition of the Homeless. And they were kind of, they were a competitor of ours, but Muffet and I, we didn't see it that way because we, she and I, we developed a friendship. 
And uh, if there was something that she needed, I would be there for her. If there was something that I needed, she would be there for me. So forming those bonds and those alliances, I think, help as well. And I think it can help with, you know, leading a volunteer team as well. I think that's absolutely uh, tremendous advice. And and I always have been an advocate of sharing volunteers uh, with other organizations, too. In other words, don't shelve them in an organization and hoard them, especially right. if you don't have a role for them and they're yeah. uh, passionate about helping. See if somebody else can utilize their skills. And then that organization would be more inclined to share someone with you. And, and that would sustain volunteers and, and make them more inclined to want to do more when they feel like we all have their best interest at heart as well absolutely it's called paying it forward meridian paying mm -hmm. it forward that stuff that stuff goes a long way and i believe in karma i believe in good karma so that stuff has a way of coming back around you know if, if you if you plant good seeds if you, if you if you do good that stuff will come back to you so i think that's wonderful well, Jalen, this has been uh, very instructive and inspirational. And, um, you know, your story and your passion and everything you're doing uh, just m gives us tremendous hope for the future of volunteerism and the future of uh, nonprofits and helping. And that, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you are really interested in, in putting out there and telling our audience? No, I, I'm Meridian, I think that this was a very thorough interview. I think that you are phenomenal. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak on your podcast. I think that you asked me uh, wonderful, wonderful questions. I, I have nothing left to add except for I. my desire is that more people will volunteer. <laughs> uh, the world needs more volunteers. Bring a friend. Tell a friend. Let's get out there and keep volunteerism alive. I love it. I love it. I'd love to check in with you maybe in the near to distant future, if that would be okay with you. Absolutely. I welcome that. All right. Great. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Hey guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. Big thank you to Alternate Timelines for the use of their music. For more volunteer management talk, or if you just want to reach out to me, please visit my website, volunteerplanetalk.com. Or you can catch me at Meridian Swift on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Meridian Swift. Thank you and bye-bye.